What would happen if we had the audacity, the courage, the boldness, and the presence to lean into our edges and to grow from our core? See, in a world shaped by yesterday's leaning into tomorrow's, we find ourselves weaving possibilities in an endless constellation of opportunities. The world has shifted and now we find ourselves in a space-time continuum where lifestyle, business and consciousness share the same offer space as your purpose and your brand. Welcome to the Supernova Podcast. I'm your hostess, Lena Ski. This is a never-ending chronicle, a narrative really, designed to usher in those big bang shebangs and a whole lot more glimmer. Let's get astronomical. Let's really shift the needle into flow. Hello, Hamsa. Welcome to the Supernova podcast. It is incredibly awesome to have you here. Hi, Lena. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure oh. to be here. Yeah, I'm really excited about your chat. I'm just reading over your bio and I want to ask as a first question, like when did you kind of consider this old way of working just being not for you? And what was that like transition moment of like, we need to be moving into a different way of doing things. This old system, this old way of doing things is not working. What was that aha moment for you like? Yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, I'd say there were, there were many points of that transition, mm -hmm. uh, but one of the first pivotal moments um, was, of course, my time in corporate America, previously oh, yeah. in a corporate job, <laughs> and, um, you know, finding an inherent sort of tension with my personal value system and, and you know, sort of what we were mm -hmm. working towards as an organization, um, and I really... Of course, you know, the org design itself, where it's a very hierarchical top-down sort of structure. Um, and then um, it was interestingly extractive, not from like a people standpoint, but also from an organizational standpoint, right? Because mm -hmm. one of the places that I, um, you know, previously worked at was in the plastics industry. Oh. Um, so, and, 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 you know, working in systems that were extractive of the environment, impacting ecosystem and watching that sort of uh, play out live uh, <laughs> seemed, <laughs> um, seemed to, uh, you know, nudge me into considering why do organizations exist? Mm. You know, is, mm. is it just, to, you know, make money? Is it just to make profits? Um, why, do, why is this the status quo? Um, and why is the bottom line and the focus on growth at all costs, ROI, the singular sort of focus for key decision makers um, versus considering the broader needs of the stakeholders, the societies versus just shareholders. Um, so, you know, that was the moment, you know, actually deep diving into the work that, you know, led me to sort of reconsider where I want to work. And, and why work is sort of broken, you know, the traditional model of work, not just in the sense of operationally, but um, at a more macro level in, in terms of what's the impact of work, of the old ways of working, not just on, you know, people's, people's souls, <laughs> but also <laughs> in terms of how it impacts ecosystems and societies and then just Absolutely. the broader world. Absolutely. I think, you know, I, I 
I've said this before in a podcast and I hope I don't get too quoted on it, but COVID has been an opening and I wish nobody got sick and I wish we didn't have to lose people in this process, but it was a great opener of this isn't working. This, this all managing eye that's hovering over me, this toxic environment, this capitalistic, I can't be on 24 seven. I am like, my computer doesn't even like being on 27, 24 seven. Nobody's does like at some point that, that, that level of capitalistic thinking just doesn't work in a human society. And we're, it feels like the rest of the world is now coming into that space. Like you've already had your aha moments and you've said it's been a series of things that have disrupted you and got you thinking about things. But now here's the world going, what on earth? <laughs> this isn't working. And yeah. they're kind of caught like a deer in headlights. So to all the people out there that are there right now, what, what, what would you say to them? It's, it's very interesting that you bring up uh, the pandemic mm-hmm. later because one of the points of transition that sort of um, accentuated my own journey was, of course, the experience of living through the pandemic and being mm-hmm. stranded on the other side of the world unintentionally, living a very minimalistic lifestyle because this was very unplanned. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, you know, I, I think I'm an idealist and I consider the future to be utopian despite Um, everything we've been through. However, I know that the pandemic has shown us that it is possible to, um, you know, live differently, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think you you mentioned capitalism, which is interesting when we talk about concepts of the triple bottom line. um, And the root cause of that is consumerism and this extractive system that we currently have. And um, interestingly, the main cardinal features of the current culture that we've built seems to be that acquisition and consumption is, you know, one of the primary means to achieve happiness. And, and this was, of course, pre-pandemic. Um, and yet that feels, if you think, uh, if you just unpack what you just said, like that feels like baseline Maslow's hierarchy. That's just yes. consuming. That's just like, it's not even surviving. It's just getting needs met. There's no happiness in that. Exactly. And it's, you know, it's, it's this cult and we've almost like democratized desire and the value of money as the predominant measure of all value in society. So, you know, in that sense, the pandemic has shown us that it is, you know, possible to live with the bare, you know, minimum, because all of a sudden, if you think back to, you know, the same time, you know, uh, last year or, you know, two years ago, almost two years ago, um, it was life that was more important. It was that existential crisis. Mm-hmm. So of course, you know, you, in Maslow's hierarchy of needs, that safety, that security, love and belonging and came before all the other needs. And all of a sudden we got transported into focusing on um, just the very basics of life. And you know, depending on what country you're in and depending on the course of the pandemic and how badly you were hit at the time and how big the panic was. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and, so from an organizational perspective, the past behavior has been to respond to the needs of the market in general, in terms of, you know, what the consumers want, you know, what the, um, you know, what, what the customer needs are. And that's what the whole operating model and strategy and everything is based off of. It's really just catering to that consumerism mindset. 
But when we start to think about, you know, why, why organizations exist, is it, you know, just to serve the needs of the shareholders or is it more the triple bottom line and stakeholders? There's also that piece about building awareness and educating the market um, in terms of why should people care about things like sustainability or the climate emergency if it's not seen as a burning priority right now. So I think, you know, I would say to decision makers, maybe reevaluate, um, you know, the why behind why we do things mm-hmm. in general. And one of the things that I loved you said in there, I mean, there's just like so many things. I'm like, these are all like going to be the headline of this podcast, but this coming back to basics um, feeling, because I know circular economy is kind of one of the things that you're aware of and playing in and that moving away from this linear production line of just more, more, more consume, consume, consume. Yeah. And the other gift of coming back to basics is, like you're, you're doing it right now. You're living a minimalist life. You're, you're finding glory and happiness in the simplest of things. And in a world gone VUCA and chaos, sometimes that is such medicine to come back to like the little things that find that create joy for us That cup of tea. That's just like going to get you through the rest of the day or whatever that is. So there's also the flip side of it that I don't think we lean into enough. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and you, you mentioned something very um, close to my heart, which is the circular economy mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that take, make and dispose model of yeah. the way we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting because it's, 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 not very mainstream and it's an emerging sort of concept and notion in, in terms of how businesses operate in general. Um, but, and then, you know, many people are still asking the question, like, why care about that? You know, why do we need the circular economy? Like, you know, we have, especially in the developed world, you know, we have cars to drive, we have food to eat, you know, there's electronics and gadgets to use, everything's great. Um, what's the problem? But, you know, part of the point is actually, um, that many people in, in the world don't have those things. Mm-hmm. You know, those are the, you know, those people who live in, um, you know, the Western society are incredibly lucky mm-hmm. to have access to all of these, but there's actually billions of people in the world who don't have it, you know, who don't have access to transport, who don't have clean water, and they face many challenges every day just to survive. So if we're gonna have, um, from an economic standpoint, if we're gonna have everybody emerge from developing countries, and emerging markets and have access to everything that we do in the Western world, then we're gonna you know, have to um, operate in a different way because all of the things that we um, have access to, you know, mm. they need material, they need energy, they need to sit in some sort of system, even if that system is linear for now. Um, but, you know, of course, like we have finite resources and uh, the developing world um, is already considered the global center of production. You know, for example, China is the manufacturing hub of the world. Um, and they're also said to become global drivers of consumption. Uh, and that's the trajectory we're on. So when people come out of that, those markets, emerging markets, and form the new 3 billion or so middle-class consumers, and they enter the marketplace in the next few decades, and if they're going to have access to everything that we do in the Western world, how are we going to do it? You know, we're going to have to provide that in a completely different way and mm. rethink the system overall. 
you know, we'll have to use materials more intelligently, build a more restorative system rather than just sort of eking out our materials and resources like we're doing today. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, and, and that seems like a broad challenge, uh, which has unfortunately taken a bit of a backseat due to the pandemic, but it's still very much alive and kicking. <laughs> I love what you said, because it made me think about the circular economy um, and that whole dynamic from a different lens, because normally it's kind of spoken about sustainability. Let's just do what's good for the planet. Um, And here I'm hearing a conversation of also equality and equity and kind of like a shared community space of leveling out the playing field, you know, that could lead to universal income or, or other things. And obviously there is politics around any of those and I'm not the person to speak about that but um it's just interesting to see the adaptive nature of circular economy because in a world where everyone's going agile and agile gets to have such prominent space and everyone thinks that they're doing scrum and they're doing the right kind of thing they're kind of separating the circular economy out from that and for me it feels that they're all interwoven. You can't separate those things from, from each other. They're, they're different models for different agendas, but they build on each other. Yeah, absolutely. Think? I agree with that. It's, you know, I believe in the power of complexity science of the inter- <laughs> 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 So, you know, I'm definitely preaching to the choir. I, I completely agree with you. Mm. Uh, you know, and, and interestingly, um, I think one of the fears that I've heard um, from people is, you know, what, so this means that you're saying, you know, of course, not getting into like a political discussion, but like, this means you're saying that let's, you know, let's grab capitalism. It's not working. Mm. Let's, you know, completely reinvent the wheel and come up with a more circular economy. Um, so it's, it's like either or of a situation mm. right now in terms of people's hesitations, but but, and um, it's ironic because this is this, the actual answer won't be found between capitalism and um, just come blank on the other one. <laughs> but like a, yeah, like a communist state, it's not going to be found between that model or this model. Um, it's it's what we give meaning to. Yeah, exactly, and and that's bang on because you know everything's always going to be in flux. And then will the current system stay as is in the next 20 to 30 years? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't think anything stays the same forever. You know, it's always good. There's always going to be a flux. Um, but I mean, how about, you know, if we subscribe meaning to the current you know, system and, and rethink um, this in a way that frames it as the circular economy actually, you know, engages fully with the current system as it stands today to try to change and shift the focus to a more restorative and regenerative one and one that you know sort of decouples this focus on growth and ROI from you know resource constraints. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, just the food industry, right? So we can decouple the food system from biodiversity loss and we can build a system that works. And the faster we do it, the better. And the growth in that sector has to happen. Um, and there's so many sectors in which we need growth quickly and that does impact capitalism in some ways. But you know we're building a better system through it. It's conscious capitalism the business is the driver and with the help of uh, you know the government and and that would you know drive the circular system so you know to your point the way I look at it is it's not stepping really out of like a capitalistic 
system Mm -hmm. and stepping into something new, but rather it's what we give meaning to and rather reorienting the existing system to just move into a better direction and if it's always in the long term. Yeah, one of the models, and I don't know if you're you're familiar with it, is the well-being economy. And I love the concept behind that, um, that we, you know, we still stay in a capitalistic state because that's good, you know, the ability to strive, the ability to create, there's, there's, there's good attributes in the model in itself, but it's doing it not for the triple bottom line. It's not doing it for consumption above everything else. It's doing it for what actually allows a business, a brand, a person, a community, an organization to thrive. And that becomes like, I just got goosebumps. That just feels completely different to corporate America or corporate South Africa or corporate anything that that we've been living in. Yes, yes. Um, you know, if it, 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 it sparks in me this, this idea that why do we work, <laughs> yeah. right? And, and, um, so far, it's been, you know, traditionally, it's been, you know, uh, because work is a means or jobs are means to make money mm-hmm. and, you know, have security. And then that's why we join a corporation and just make a living and have a livelihood. Um, but, but maybe, you know, again, going back to Mass's hierarchy of needs, maybe work can be a source to, um, you know, become more self-actualized human beings and, and mm-hmm. do work because it's a calling, it's a joy. It, you know, um, uh, it's, it, it gives us meaning and, you know, massages the meaning of life and, and well-being, but and not more so it's because we make money. Um, so, that's that's an interesting um, sort of um, burgeoning <laughs> concept you know, in terms of the well-being economy and, and mm-hmm. what that means in terms of the way we work right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's broader than just a paycheck. Absolutely. And you just reminded me of a quote. And I'm like originally I started as a marketing coach and then I kind of went and like I was always about people's purpose, but you know, that that was the the job that I went into it and that was kind of where I studied, but I was doing a lot of other things. And um, I always find it ironic as a, as a kind of a social media coach that I wasn't engaging in the typical kind of consume, get attention strategies. And it's left to this day, like even bumper sticker inspirational quotes. I'm so mindful of the words behind them and the, the psychological impact that they have that I'm so reluctant to to post them and the reason I share that is as you were speaking this quote came up saying work is no longer going to be who you are it's where you go to and when I first heard that I was like I can get behind that but now hearing you I'm going no I'm not behind that quote anymore because it's it's not a place that I just go for belonging it's it's more than that and I think redefining work and who I am in relation to work, that's the burning question we need to be discussing. Not only in a podcast, but just in the whole. Like what yeah. is reinventing work? What is this thing that we want to be doing? Because it's, yeah, we, we want to do something. It's Netflix or work, but it's something. We want to do something. So what, what does that actually even mean? What is work? 
Ah, that's a million dollar question. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, I I think that is the transition, uh, the interesting transition in terms of, um, I think, especially in certain societies, like Western societies, like work is a big part of your identity as Mm -hmm. a human being. And in terms of, for example, you go to a networking event, um, especially given that I've, um, you know, the the East Coast work culture has been ingrained in me in terms of the hustle and the go, go, go. And it's almost like any event you go to, first question is, so what do you do? Um, You know, so that it's doing work and like your job is such a core part of who you are. Um, But increasingly so, it, it's it's almost about you know making the shift from work is something I do because it's something I do to just live and survive mm-hmm. versus um, you know it's something I do to find meaning and it's something I do to find purpose mm-hmm. um, and maybe there's universal basic income in a more utopian future and uh, <laughs> they're already taken care of so there, there's no it's not a burning platform to work for. Um, creating value and like money but rather it's to find a sense of community and love and belonging and joy um so it's that that that's what reinventing work means to me Mm. that it's that transition from work as something that's filled with drudgery (laughs) 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 Uh which you know the most uh it's the most part of work in general uh, in most experiences um it's just something you do, um, but it doesn't have to be something you do. It's, it's part of who you are, and it's part. It's a creative outlet for, for your creative expression as a human being. I love that, and I I don't know if you I don't know how many podcasts you've done, but this isn't the traditional introduce yourself, you know, tell tell, tell the world what you do kind of podcast because I find that question to just already limit it. But the more I hear you and the more fascinated and curious I am by your world, I'm more interested in how do you bring yourself and all of these complexities and all of these ideas into what you do? Yeah, um, thanks for asking that. It's, it's, it's a question I'm still trying to best frame myself in terms okay. of <laughs> how do I um, you know, put uh, a bow on like what exactly I do because I do mm. so many things mm-hmm. but um, you know since my transition and I made the transition from corporate America to move into the world of you know circular economy deep diving into innovation in that area through um, startups to advisory with startups um, you know it's been the past couple of years especially has been um, you know finding myself through fractional work across different kinds of ecosystems. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I um, am basically a fractional um, operator within the startup ecosystem. And I partner with, you know, early stage founding teams. You know, these are all early stage um, burgeoning um, companies on their uh, go-to-market, discovery, growth, brand positioning, um, and leading the zero to one initiatives across a range mm-hmm. of specifically purpose-driven companies that are doing work in the space of future of work and in circular economy. Um, you know, whether that means in, in one space, um, you know, how do we educate the market in terms of why they need to care about this? And so it's a market creation sort of effort versus mm-hmm. just responding to the market. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
and 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 in in other senses, it's been exploring um, what's how can we yeah, yes design for the future in terms of the product or service we're building, but also recognize that the market's not there right now, and how do we bring them along in this journey? Um, so it's a bit of both in terms of bringing them along in this transformation. So. Um, it's been interesting dividing my time across several different companies to explore what that impact making can look like um, versus being you know, restricted to one organization and having all of who I am and my growth restricted to one entity right now as a traditional Absolutely. leader of work. Absolutely. Well, I, 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 I recognize myself in that space. It's, I think there's so much value and you know, in any, even the most tier list of organizations, companies that really build for authenticity and say everything is welcome, the, you know, we, we naturally, our psychology is to present ourselves in certain ways and, and to just adjust our camera and to highlight and low light. It's, it's, the, it's the inner branding specialist in all of us that we just didn't know that we had to kind of curate that experience. And being able to plug into so many different networks allows more of myself to be able to grow and experience the world and learn and see the interconnection between things. So I totally, totally, absolutely get it. I love what you just said about the teal movement, which I'm a huge advocate of. Oh, yay. Are you coming to the conference? Uh, Do you know about the world. Yes, teal around the world. Not this time, but right. you know, I'm hoping next time. Next but, um, time. Okay, great. Yeah, um, but you know, th this reminded me of something that's um, unfortunately the status quo, which is you know we silo people into specific jobs and roles mm -hmm. and expect mm -hmm. you know their whole behavior to work around that and your whole identity like your work self, not your full self at work. Um, but I think you know the the transition could be that jobs and job descriptions or roles could more be designed around people's. A full suite of talents and capability mm -hmm. and expression and that's the job versus you fitting into this mold of this is who you know that. this is what you need and you turn turn out the output um, I love that. and obviously hr is going to need to get on board with that because yeah. i mean they're, they're yeah. looking they're looking to disrupt and they're looking for a seat a seat at the boardroom but if they're still plugging into the old traditional administrative management role of managing human resources then it's not going to it's going to hit a lot of resistance exactly exactly uh i i fully agree i think the future actually of hr is is no hr with <laughs> culture that's already embedded into the ethos mm. of the organization and it's so um you know as you can imagine with concepts such as steel it's such a decentralized fabric mm. of thinking already embedded within um the flow of the organization versus just HR being um, the steward of that specific culture, but rather everybody owns the creation um, of that uh, yeah. consciousness, I guess, as an organization. And in that flow and in that fabric, which pin would you like to put, whether it's a pin in your own profile or your own brand or a company that you want to highlight, like where would you want people to, to follow you, the story, or just follow the story? as we close? Sure. Um, well, I, I'd love to uh, 
I liked two organizations that I'm at um, mm-hmm. because it's so fascinating. Uh, one of them is um, Hacking HR, where uh, I'm nice. a part of the team and we hack HR. <laughs> and uh, essentially, it's it's it, it exists to do things that are on the edge and not more so. Excuse me, perpetuating the status quo in terms of still positioning HR as that back office function and you know the admin, um, personnel management esque sort of way of thinking, which you uh, very well articulated just now. Um, but more so, how can HR be not not just a business leader or have a seat at the table, but actually trailblazers into the future? Can mm-hmm. HR be that function? Maybe it's not new product development or, you know, um, uh, you know, product or, you know, sales or marketing or those functions that lead us into the future. Maybe it's Mm -hmm. HR that shapes, you know, what the future could look like, Mm -hmm. because it's not the function that is doing that right now. It's it's actually very um, regressive in its current means. So um, I I would love to... um, you know, uh, point people in the direction of joining this ecosystem. It's, it's a community of people who are interested in learning and growing and sharing all things mm-hmm. that, that are intersection future of work, tech um, and innovation and transformation and how those elements impact work, workforce and workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, another organization is of course Future for 24 hours, mm-hmm. which is decentralized. You've got the movement. coolest job. <laughs> you're, you're at the intersection of all these cool movements. That is awesome. All, all, all we need to do is get you back and get you onto the teal movements and and join that, and then you're like you're there. And then I'm complete. As, and as you're complete. <laughs> um, but you know, you know it's, it's been such a privilege to have the opportunity to um, you know spend so much time in all of these communities and networks. Um, the other organization is Future Work Twenty Four Hours, where essentially you know we um, of course we um, are we're decentralized teams across the globe who um, not just host on conferences and open spaces mm-hmm. um, on an annual basis every single year, but, but we also, um, in, in the way we ourselves operate in experimenting new ways of working and you know, principles of participatory governance, mm-hmm. um, self-organization and, um, and concepts such as holacracy, just in the way um, we operate as a global movement. So that that's, um, another, um, you know, open invitation for anyone who wants to Absolutely. join, to, um, you know, check out. Definitely. That is incredible. I know I'll be doing my bit and clicking over. So if you can just send me those uh, links and then I'll put them in the show notes at the end of this podcast. Um, now. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that opens up the next chapter for, for anyone who wants to take the conversation further. Yes, absolutely. Brilliant. Thank you so much. I wish we could just do this for like five hours because I, I know <laughs> I can talk about this all day. Like this is this is my favorite thing to do. Um, but I but I am aware of of time and Zoom fatigue and po- podcast overload. So I think we do need to wrap it up there. Um, but thank you, thank you, thank you for your voice. Yeah. Lena, thanks so much for inviting me. This was the highlight of my Friday. There's no oh, better yay. way. To- <laughs> the weekend with such such um, a great conversation with you <laughs> thanks so much for having me definitely let's stay in touch thanks you too